Hey, our growing listeners, I have John Volk here. He is the Continuing Education Director at the New York Academy of Art. How are you doing, John? Well, thanks, Ton. It's good to hear from you. Hey, I hear there is a new video coming out online, a new Marshall Jones video. That's right. We have a new course by Marshall Jones titled Dynamic Color Relationships. And it's a really fun and entertaining video where he talks about the fundamentals of color mixing. And there are parts where he actually paints on an apple and a mushroom. I've never seen anything like that. And it's really fun to watch and also informative. That's really exciting. Uh, I, you know, I got to tell you, Marshall is one of the best teachers it's ever been my privilege to work with. He's an outstanding instructor in this video. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. It's really exciting. Yeah. And for all our listeners, it'll be great to see Marshall at work and not just hear him talk about, I don't know, his coffee habits on the podcast. Oh, that's great. So this video is going to be on the academyeverywhere.com site? Correct. Yeah. And it's really easy to get there. You could just go on your phone and you could sign up for live classes or there is a self-paced section where this is going to exist. Marshall's new course, uh, along with others, faculty from the academy. So John, tell me more about the um, continuing education programs on Academy Everywhere. Sure thing. So uh, uh, we have a new a session of online classes coming up. There, people are registering for them right now. These classes fill up really quick. So uh, let your listeners know that they should sign up fast. Uh, classes fill up really, really quick. We also have some new upcoming workshops. Uh, there's workshops with Elodie Geikus. Uh, Christy Gordon has a new uh, contemporary portrait workshop that I'm really excited about. Bill Padway is doing a silver point workshop. And then at the end of May, Alyssa Monks is doing her very exciting painting uh, using photograph workshop. That sounds amazing. I want to take all those classes. Yeah, they're really great. And Academy Everywhere is such, like you said, it's so easy to sign up on academyeverywhere.com. You can do it from your phone, your tablet, your desktop. It's a great site. Nice. Well, I think that our listeners are going to really enjoy any of those or all of the above. That's great. That's really great. Anyway, academyeverywhere.com. Go there. All right. Well, it was good talking to you, John. Nice talking to you, Ton. All right, guys. So we just interviewed Walter Martin of the band The Walkman and his solo career and a guy who is a New Yorker from the late, the what was it, 94 he moved to New York? Yeah, mid-90s. So mid-90s, uh, and then obviously his band The Walkman and the art rock scene was super important and a band that I really love, and it was just such a pleasure to talk to him about his craft. The craft relates to painting. Weirdly, he found... Hollis is painting on Instagram and that's his album cover, past guest. So it's like an amazing conversation with him. He was lovely. Marshall has been excited about this for like three months now. <laughs> you guys have no idea how much I love that music. And when we found that we had a chance to interview him, I I mean, I, I, I don't, did I sound nervous? I hope I didn't sound nervous. Um, no, he, he sounded very composed and, you know, like, like he knew what you were talking about. I was extremely nervous because, I mean, painting, talking that way is one thing. One thing I 
do know a lot about is music, but I know nothing about the craft of music. I can't, I can't play an instrument. I can't read music. It's all just this magical thing that happens by geniuses to me. <laughs> and, and I'm a little intimidated by it. Now you get a chance to listen to uh, to listen to someone who made Marshall nervous and excited. And he was fantastic. Great answers, super thoughtful, pretty funny. You get a sense of his personality that comes through in his music. It couldn't have gone better. So you guys are in for a real treat. Thank you guys. All right, hello, Art Grind listeners. I'm Marshall Jones here with Dina Brodsky. And today we have a little something different for you guys. Um, we are interviewing a musician today, uh, someone whose music has meant a lot to me throughout the years. And I think a lot to the art community as a whole, you know, the one that Dean and I came up with uh, early to mid 2000s in New York City. Um, so our guest today, we're super excited, is Walter Martin, who um, has a new solo album out called The Bear, which he recorded in his upstate uh, studio, which I saw some photos of, looks gorgeous. And uh, he was formerly of the band The Walkman. Walter, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. So uh, how did it all get started for you? How did you get into uh, music? Well, I, you know, I, uh, I was obsessed with baseball when I was a kid until I was about, I guess, 11 or 12. And then I then I had a friend uh, named Stuart who who, uh, who who I guess we decided that we wanted to get into like skateboarding and to sort of be, you know, to sort of, I guess, be cool, kind of wanted to be rebellious and cool, I think was sort of the, the basic idea. Um, and then, you know, we discovered that you could like, you know, the, how much like rock and roll had to do with that. And so we decided to, like to do guitar lessons together. So we did that. And uh, that was when we were that was in fifth grade. Um, so so started... the song I heard on your new album about baseball, and it does say that you used to play baseball. Oh, right. oh so, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did used to play a lot of baseball. And there's a song. Yes, I, I wanted to write a song about baseball. So I finally did it on my new record. That song um, well, it captured a lot of feelings for me when I heard it. I was like, because it, it felt like that, you know, I, okay, I cool. play a little baseball myself. And it was just like kind of those old dreams and all that sort of thing was really, really impactful to me. Okay, cool. Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just started doing guitar and like, you know, getting into bands that we thought that were, were cool and sort of rebellious, you know, like we were, we were, I grew up in DC, so we were into like minor threat and like, you know, wrote like minor threat on our chucks and stuff like that. And I think probably before we ever heard minor threat. Uh, and then we, you know, then we played like, you know, we started, we learned how to play like, should I stay or should I go? We played like at a kid's birthday party at the end of fifth grade. Uh, and then, you know, over time, we kept just kept doing it. And we uh, Matt, who was the drummer and Matt Barrick, who became the drummer in the Walkman, joined us in seventh grade. And then Paul, who is the guitar player in the Walkman, joined both these guys. were. In, I was in a band before called Jonathan Fireater, both Matt and Paul and Stuart were all in that band, too. Um, we uh, Paul joined us in ninth grade and then. You know, we played it like we we started, you know, we we were kind of we were competent, you know, and we were really young. So we started getting asked. I don't know exactly how it happened, but we started getting asked to play at like uh, the 930 Club in D.C., the old 930 Club, which was uh, you had all the like national touring bands going through. And, 
And uh, we would, you know, open for, we opened for like Lenny Kravitz on his like Let Love Rule tour, you know, and like uh, open for, we, we used to play a lot of ska, you know, and like, uh, so we would play, we opened for like The Selector, which is like a British band that we loved. And, uh, and you know, I don't know, we, op- we would, they would call us, I think probably when they didn't, when they were in a bind. And I think that, I think it was kind of a novelty act, you know, from, from their perspective, because we were so young. Uh, but for us, it was we didn't know that it was a novelty act. You know, we thought it was like we were like in the big leagues. Um, but uh, yeah, so we, 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 you know, we started doing that a lot and we sort of got the bug. And uh, and then by the time high school ended, we, we, you know, we played a lot of bad music. We played a lot of like, you know, copying like ska bands and copying like whatever, like funk band. It was a lot. Of, we went through all the phases that, you know, a high school person goes through. Um, and then I think, you know, towards the end of our senior year, we got into like, uh, we were, we, we got, like the Velvet Underground became a really big thing. And so it was like, like for us. So it was like, you know, we, we felt like we could actually, it's like that cliche, you know, we felt like we could actually kind of play or what we could create something that was inspired by that, that actually sounded like, oh, wow, this is actually like cool. This is actually like original and like feels like us and feels like really kind of magical. And so when, when that happened, uh, that we started to think that maybe we would actually make a go of it. And so, so we did. And, and after we all went to college for a year and dropped out and then we did our band, uh, uh, called Jonathan Fire Eater, and did that for a while. But we had all sorts of trouble, in, internal trouble. We got like a big record deal, and there was like a mess of drugs and all sorts of terrible stuff. Uh, so, so yeah, we disbanded, and then uh, got my cut. Co- my first cousin is Hamilton, who is a singer in the in the Walkman. Uh, got him to. Uh, he had a band at the same time in New York, and uh, so got him to come and be the singer. And then we became the Walkman, and then that whole happened. And then I did stuff on my own, and then. Here we are. Hmm. So <laughs> when you were going through that, um, you know, that story of dropping out of college, drug use, internal strife, what what were your uh what was your like parents feeling about all this? Your your It was horror, absolute absolute horror. I mean, it really was. You know, like I, I can understand too, you know, like I mean, they're they're you know, they love music and they you know, they but but to yeah the dropping out of college thing wasn't great uh and then um you know moving we lived in like a really shitty one bedroom apartment in the lower east side all five of us you know it was just kind of like it was pretty gross um but uh but then you know pretty qu- pretty quickly we you know we weren't messing around you know me we, we we made an album really fast and we were like driven to make this thing work uh and uh you know then we got then suddenly all these you know it was like in that was in 94 i moved to new york august of 94 from dc um and that was uh you know that was a time when the in music industry had a lot of money so people like the big label like major labels were looking for like the next whatever like smash mouth or something Um, and, and they made the mistake of thinking a lot of them made the mistake of thinking that was going to be us. And so they, all the, all the big labels wanted us and we ended up getting a really big record deal. So I think at that point it was like, we could be like, Hey, we could tell say to our parents, you know, Hey, we we're actually not messing around and look, we actually got, we're, I'm getting paid. I'm financially independent from this band and this is what we do. And so from then on, that's really all I, I ever did. And it's all I really did before that too, honestly. Hmm. So, oh, go ahead, Dina. Sorry. 
know, I'm actually just assuming that you're actually very, very good. Like you say that you were a novelty act, but you know, I came to the US like like right around the time that you were doing this. I remember the, you know, there's plenty of ska bands in high school and none of them were opening for Lenny Kravitz and getting record deals. So the question is, um, how did you become that good? Was it constant practice or was it that you guys all just, you know, you knew each other from such a young age, you came together organically. Did it feel like magic or did it feel like work? It's definitely felt like magic because we were so young when we started that, you know, I, I remember like making our first recordings on a four track, which is where you put like, you know, the bass and the drums and the guitar and the voice together and make a song. And we'd be like, we didn't understand that you needed bass, you know, and then suddenly you like put the bass on. And you're like, holy shit, that actually sounds like music. Like that sounds like a song like that. And we made that, you know, so it's like that. It's that and we were whatever in seventh grade, I maybe when we started doing that. So the whole it was like we we're kids. And so the whole process of of, you know, growing up and at the same time discovering how to make music together with like your close friends. I mean, I think we were always devoted to, you know, that's all we did. On weekends, we had band practice. When people were late to band practice, they like got in trouble. It was like, we were serious from from when we were that young about doing it. So we, and then we were all in other bands too. We always, all of us had sort of had like our, our main band, which is the band we did together. And then like, whatever, I was like the drummer in like a prom band. And I played like, everybody had like different bands, but the band band, the, the serious band uh, was, you know, yeah, we were very devoted. And uh, what was New York like at the time? Well, when we first went to New York, you know, that August 94, we lived on on Suffolk Street, uh, Suffolk between uh, Houston and Stanton. And, uh, you know, that's weirdly, that block is looks kind of the same. Um, but uh, everything around there does not look the same. Um, but our building still looks really shitty in a really nice way. <laughs> it really actually does. Um, and uh you know it was it was there was so much drugs it was disgusting you know like just like heroin everywhere it was really you know I, I, we lived a block away right i think a month after we moved there it was clinton and stanton it was in the new york times it was the heroin capital of the of the country or something that intersection which is a block from us i was like yeah that sounds about right it was pretty it was really kind of gross you know um but it was really fun because we were so young and, we, you know, it was just like it was uh, kind of we had, it was so cheap too. you know, I think I, our, our apartment was just peanuts and we had a teeny practice space around the corner. But it was it was fun. It was I mean, it was incredibly fun. And uh, and we were working. We really were working so hard. Hmm. So that's sort of that. And that would have been the band Jonathan Fire Eater in 94. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would have been so sort of like post Kurt Cobain and then music really sagged into this, I don't know, quickly turned into like Woodstock 99 and Limp Bizkit and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It was just maybe one of the worst periods. It was, it was, it was terrible. It was a really, it was a major lull. Uh, and it felt like there was no cool, I, I, I mean, I wasn't as open to listening to the radio that back then, but but even to look back and listen to the radio that was going on back then, it was pretty it was pretty shitty, you know. Uh, and, yeah, and the New York bands that we liked were like the Blues Explosion and like uh, and uh, like Railroad Jerk, and then we liked you know DC bands like the Nation of Ulysses and the Makeup and people like that. So we felt some camaraderie with them. I mean, we, I think we all we looked up to them, um, but 
you know, I think from a distance, it may have looked like we were we were peers, but we were sort of idolizing them. Hmm. And then, uh, so then after 9-11, it's like New York had this explosion of music and, and sort of, I guess, attention and love from across the United States. It was like Spin Magazine, Rolling Stones had a real like magnifying glass on New York City music scene. I remember right. big time. For sure. And, and, do you do you feel I mean, I always considered your band a little more of like, um, I don't know, a, a little more interesting, definitely more arty, definitely more um, sophisticated than a lot of those other bands that I think of. So what were you aiming for at that time? Well, I mean, for, for most of us, for, for, for me and Matt and Paul, at least the Matt's the drummer, Paul's the guitar player. Uh, we had been, you know, it was sort of like round two for us because we, we and we were, I think, a little bit older than like like the Strokes guys and uh, and the Interpol guys, yeah. And and so for the three of us, it felt like it felt like a, a second time at it because the fi fire eater had really felt like the first go around. Um, so yeah, I, we we were, I think we were we were definitely determined not to, you know, like our first band was a lot of garage rock and it was super super, it was like cool cool, you know, and. Uh, and, and I, I really loved that, but I think with and it took us a little while to get into it. But I think with with Walkman, it was yeah we just we wanted to be um, we wanted to be more I guess sophisticated is the word I guess in our instrumentation that that's, that's the, the obvious thing with all the piano and we really wanted to be we didn't want to be just sort of whatever mindless mindless rock. We wanted to really be you know more thoughtful and sophisticated, I guess. Uh, you know, and I think it took us a while. I think by the midway through, we really started to get our stride as far as doing exactly what, how we wanted to do it. Mm. That's how it, that's definitely how it read to me. Like just being a, a music fan. And at that time, even like your instrument instrumentation for sure. And even your lyrics had a little more edge to them and a little more self-awareness than a, a lot of the other stuff. I remember that line about uh, some dumb haircut from 1960. That was always so funny to me, you know, like it was just like these great lyrics coming out of your band about that time that I really appreciated. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, we were always determined, you know, I, I think it probably didn't help us that much, but I, I'm glad we stuck to our gun. I mean, I think we were always determined to really have a sense of humor with what we did, you know, and like, and, and to not to not sort of be just another band, I, you know, like I think when we had that song, The Rat, which a lot of people liked, which is real nasty, you know, and in, like in the video, it's all like black and white and dark. I mean, that's certainly us. And that's definitely a side of us and a side of us that I loved. But but after that, our, our immediate instinct is like, well, there's no fucking way we're going to do anything like that. We're going to we want to do the opposite. We, so we did like. <laughs> We we did like you know like a co covered like a full Harry Nilsson John Lennon record and like dressed as gorillas on the cover you know, and and I think it, people were like what the fuck is this um, and <laughs> um, but you know I'm very I, I I you know that's an important instinct uh, and and I'm I'm proud that we that we did that kind of stuff. When that album came out and that was like a big deal because I was someone who knew that Nielsen Lennon album and was like, God, they're doing such cool stuff. And it didn't feel like, I don't know. I, I always just really loved what your band was doing. And like, it, it spoke to me, someone who 
wanted a little more out of the music scene at that time, you know, and it felt like okay, well, cool. it was delivering. Yeah, I think that move turned a lot of people off. It definitely was a head scratcher for a lot of people, especially people like management and people like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember management. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I was kind of wondering what now that you're you went through that period, which must have been quite exciting. Anyway, you slice it like New York City, all your friends making great music, moving through, having a bit of a spotlight on you. And then what, what did, how was it when that ended? What was the feelings around that? Well, you're talking about the Fire Eater one or the, or the Walkman period? Oh, the, the Walkman. Or either one, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the Walkman was like, it was a long, bur you know, it, was, it wasn't so much like, with the Fire Eater one, it was really like instant, like label attention. It was very exciting. Uh, and then it just, it was like instantly just fell apart for internal reasons. Uh, and then with the Walkman, it, you know, it was a slow, it was a slow, it was a slow go, you know, it's not like we were ever, I guess we had a couple moments where we were like, okay, we're kicking butt, we're, but you know, it, it, it's, it was, uh, we, I, we, there were very few moments when we felt like we weren't struggling, you know, it was, it was, uh, there was, it was, there was always, a, I think it really for, for us, like creatively and as far as like, you know, pushing us to keep trying new things and writing different kinds of songs and, and making our stuff better. It was it was nice that we never were like, okay, we're totally kicking ass here. Let's like, let's just enjoy this. It was always like, okay, we really have, we, we've, it's it's not connecting the way we want to. We really need to, to uh, you know, figure out something really cool to do next. And I think that was great for us. But yeah, it, it really did feel like, uh, it felt like a struggle the whole time, <laughs> basically the whole time, you know? Um, well, that's yeah, something yeah. I'd be very interested in because it's like, I think a lot of, um, oh, that's Dina there for, well, I'll, we'll just continue. I think a lot of um, our listeners, like, I think that's where parallels happen because I knew who your band was. It seemed massive to me looking out and painters, they don't really get big generally you know like it's it's right. always a struggle to make ends meet it's always side gigs it's always you're teaching here if you're lucky you might be a studio painter for like jeff coons or something and wedging right. in your work and there sure is like like the same in your experience in the walkman sticking to your guns you said or selling out you could sort of you know, get the tight pants and the haircuts like the strokes and sort of do that sort of thing. Or you could do what you want to do. But with that, there's a lot of anxiety, I'm sure. And just, boy, you know, how am I going to make ends meet? Or how am I going right. to make, make rent? What's What was that, your experience, trying to navigate yourself and also the the external pressures of that are financial and familial and all those sort of things. I mean, yeah, you know, a, a lot of it was like that we were never allowed to make the, we were never in a position where we could make the decision we wanted to make, you know, like we would always have to, you know, do the tour opening for the band that we didn't like because we, because it, it paid well, you know, and, and we needed to have that money so we could, survive for the next number of months and so we could help make our, our next record it was never like we could never or you know if we got offered to put our song in commercial which we did a couple of times we could never 
mean, I think we probably would have said yes no matter what, but you, you, we never had the, had the option to be like, no, we, we, we can't, do, we don't want to do that. Or like, you know, there was the, at every turn, or like at every turn we had to take, we had to sort of take, take the cash because, because we just needed it, you know? And, uh, and you know, that, that sort of put us a little bit like in a, in a, in a funny spot, um, and it was just a long process of making those kinds of decisions. Uh, doesn't feel great after a while. And you're like, why, why are we playing this with this band? We really don't like, why are we doing, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of other examples, but like uh, tours that we really don't want to do and things that we don't want to do just because we need to, or, or selling our publishing or selling, you know, selling parts, you know, our master recordings and stuff like that. It just kind of, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope and, and it, it you know, it's, it's, it, with five guys making the decision, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's a, a lot of times it's really hard to make a smart decision. Mm. So what was it like working for so long with the people that you basically met in, you know, great, great, grade school? Like, like, it, did that affect your friendship? Uh, yeah, we have, we still have really great friendship. I mean, it really was like a family, you know, cause like Ham the singer is my first cousin. We like grew up across, the street. we're like brothers. He's my, like our mothers or sisters. He grew up across the street from me. Um, and so, yeah, it really was like a family. And, um, I think, you know, I think in some ways that makes it, that can make it hard as far as, you know, like with r feelings and with like writing songs together and who's doing what and credit. And, you know, as you get older, you know, when you're younger and you're writing together, it's like, okay, this is our song. This is the band song. But as you get older, it's like, yeah, this isn't so much the band song. This is, you know, this person did that. And this, you know, and it, it gets, sometimes it does get dicey. And I, and I think as you, you know, as you see bands who it's the bands who split everything are the bands who stay together. And that's what we did. We split everything. We never, we never, we credited everything equally. Um, and paid everything equally. And that, you know, that bands who do that stay together, which is really a nice thing. And we watch friends who don't do that hate each other. Uh, and so we avoided that. Um, and yeah, but yeah, it's really nice being able to do it with your closest friends. And, you know, we really grew up, we learned all these, all the music together and learned all the things we loved together. So it was, it's nice to, it, it's just you, it's like speaking, you, it, you communicate so easily with, with what you want to do. And, uh, and when something sounds good, you're like, that's amazing. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yes, exactly. That's what we're trying to do. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I'm listening to you and realizing I'm actually a little bit jealous because art is, <laughs> such, you know, painting, which is what we do, is such a solitary pursuit. Like when it goes well, you take the better it goes, the less people you talk to. Marshall, I don't know if that's it. That's how you feel, <laughs> right, right? Like uh, if it's not going well, you take on every single, you know, every single gig, and eventually you get out of the house to, you know, teach a workshop, do this, do that, go to an opening where maybe you need to meet someone. But if it's going right. really well, it, you just talk to no one. And for you. Right. Well, it, like getting to work with your best friends sounds wonderful. <laughs> it was, it is, you know, but like, I think as I got older, I did get tired of it because I think, you know, like as far as writing songs, you know, with that band, like we got, we got, you know, more and more into being, you know, I was, I was writing a lot more lyrics and like, it just started feeling like, you know, you just, I wanted to just go, I guess, go deeper or something. And I, and I felt like in the content, you know, when you're doing a band, it's like, you're really sort of creating like a, sort of like a collective personality, I, I feel like. And, and, you know, and a lot of the music that I really love is like what you're talking about, stuff that that's made, 
you know, a, a sort of a quiet sort of personal uh, expression kind of thing. And a lot of the stuff that I really love the most is like that. So I think I really had a longing to to try to make something like that, you know, instead of everything going through committee and everything being sort of this collective band personality, if that makes sense. And that that brings me well, brings us to your latest solo album, The Bear. And I was thinking kind of along the same lines that Dina was in preparing for this, like, wow, you worked collaboratively with people. And there's certainly, I know you have other musicians on this, but essentially you moved upstate and recorded this thing on your own, right? Like, how was how that? How does that differ? Be, feeling a little more isolated? It feels like your your craft now is a little more like a painter in the studio in, in terms of how I envision it. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. I mean, I, you know, the, the Walkman stopped in like uh, 2013, I guess. So I've been doing it, you know, and I really, like I was saying, just had a real longing to do it, to, to do it on my own and to, and to, uh, to see if I could, you know, uh, because, you know, I, I'm not much of a singer, you know, and I, and I, it took me a while to, to get up the nerve or to figure out that like that I should that I like a lot of people who aren't singers you know and and uh so I you know I was looking at people like whatever like Randy Newman and like Jonathan Richman and Michael Hurley people like that and I was like you know I this yeah I was like you know that's the stuff that I you know that I really I really love that stuff so much and and I and I you know when you see them play you're like they're forgetting words and they're talking and it's you're, you know, like it's about them. It's their per, it's that I love I love them and it's not necessarily the it's it's the the personality that I that I really love and so you know I I guess it just took me just getting over the hump of realizing that I should if I believe that you know that like I know how to write you know that I should I should try to write stuff that I could sing you know or, or figure out a way to write in my own voice you know instead of writing for the band um and so you know and that was like so that was like in 2014 and i and i uh I, I, the first thing out of the gate i, I didn't want to be compared to the walkman or be compared to anything and i didn't want to uh, so i made a, i made a kids record like uh um and well i called it a kids record it was sort of like the coasters you know sort of like 50s rock i love you know i have like a million million records and i was like listening to the coasters and i was like you know i could make a I could make a record like this and I could call it a kid's record and then I could make it like really open hearted and like I could hide behind the fact that it's a kid's record and I wouldn't have to be like on pitchfork and I wouldn't have to be anything and it would be and I it would be great. So I, I made that, you know, and like and I just it was sort of like a like an art project, like a fantasy kids record, you know, um, and uh, like a song about like rattlesnakes and a song like a like a schoolyard love song and stuff like that. Uh, it, but it really somehow got me into like, it, I, you know, I remember like playing it for my mom or, or for my wife, and they were like, "That's like that's you, like that's it, that's that," you know. They were just, you know, they were they they felt like it was it was it was very much me. So that that felt good, and so, you know, I so that's what I've done since, you know, and it really is so different from before because I am alone, you know, I mean, I do, I do work with a lot of people, but you know, 95% of my work is, uh, is writing it, you know, and, and figuring out how you want it to sound. And that's all just alone. That's just me sitting at my desk, you know, uh, like biting my nails and stressing and, 
so yeah, it is it is a very very solitary you know it is a very solitary kind of kind of experience now, and I you know I love it like that. I'm I'm, I'm obsessed with it, with it being like that, uh, and I'm I think I'm trying to get more and more like that. Like with, I think I'm, you know this this record is definitely less than less even fewer people than before involved. Um, fewer instrumentation. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to bo boil it down and down and down, which which is a fun fun process. And, and you feel like you're getting closer and closer to yourself as you boil it down. I guess so. Yeah, I think so. You know, I I don't really think of it that way, but I think if I were maybe in ten years to look back, I I probably that's probably what I'm doing. You know, I think there's less and less that I'm hiding. I mean, hiding behind it being a kids' record was it was a fun idea, and I and I like that. Then I fought, after that I did like an art history record. Um, which was a nice, you know, I was basically talking about myself and my life, but it was sort of about through the lens of like art history and like college art history. Oh, really? I See, I haven't heard that one. I got to What's the name of that one? That's called Arts and Leisure. Arts, oh, I got to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then like, I realized that the songs that meant the most to me were the, the, the ones that had less you know, the, the where I was hiding behind stuff less, like the kid thing or the art history thing. And so, yeah, I've just really tried to be focusing on, on, on that kind of vibe since then. Your new Your record, record I, it, it strikes, strikes me, me as very like bittersweet and, and transitory, sort of looking back a little bit, looking ahead. It, it could be because it's sort of where I am in my life currently. And, but it was like, I don't know, even, even like, the song about baseball or something seemed to hit me in a place that was really looking back on childhood. And then you now as a father, I'm not a father, but you looking at your child now. And it's like, it just really, I don't know. I felt it like a, a little bit of longing in these lyrics and they're, they were very strong or like, like the bear, you know, that was the thread through that one song, the blind bear. And then you have the encounter with it. Like, do you, do you, what do you feel like is your strength in writing? You know, I, I really don't know. You know, I think I have, like I was saying with writing that kids thing, I think it tricked me into really writing stuff that really felt like me and I, I that's the only way I really edit it's if like it feels like you know it feel it doesn't feel phony it is, as, as simple and dumb as that sounds I, I think that's sort of uh, that's how I edit myself and, and like if I'm proud to, if I know that I'm proud to play it for like my wife and for my few friends who, who help me uh whatever guide me through making of records um I think that you know if I'm I, I I don't know. I think it just when when it it feels like it feels authentic to me, and so that, I think that's my strength. Maybe it, it doesn't feel phony. <laughs> I don't. I, I, it's hard. I don't know. I, I'm not very good at analyzing my stuff, but um, I try as hard as I can to not be to just be normal and to be myself and to not try to sound smarter than I am, or more poetic than I am, or anything like that. So if I you know, sometimes there'll be a line, I'll be like, Ugh, that just like, what are you like a some sort of poet? And then so like, I'll, I'll change it instead of saying whatever, like the 
some pretty word, I'll just make it into some less pretty word. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's how I talk. So that's how I, that's how I'm going to do it. I mean, sometimes I slip up and I can't resist. I'm like, okay, that's a pretty word. Just use the pretty word. It's nice. Just use it. And so I'll do that. But, but, uh, but I, I definitely very conscious of that when I'm, when I'm, when I'm editing, you know, when I'm writing, I write fast and I want to get a lot of stuff down. I want it just to sound like conversational and like I talk and I edit. Yeah, I do. There is a little bit more like trickery going on. Mm. Uh, what was the name of the main character in Catcher in the Rye that was obsessed with phonies? Yeah, Holden Caulf Caulfield. Yeah, it, you know, it's so funny you say that because I, I, I picked up that up recently and I read the first few pages and I was like, holy fuck, this is who I'm copying. That's the voice. I was like, that's... <laughs> After a few more pages, I realized it wasn't exactly, but then I, was, I, I, I remembered what a, that voice... Yeah, it's a similar kind of voice, I think. Tony, we all had to read Salinger as, you know, kids. So it was like part of the high school curriculum. And I just thought that book was, you know, that book was annoying. And then I picked it up reasonably recently as an adult. And he is brilliant. Like, like, like he's, he's so good. And he wrote so little. And I actually, he didn't write so little. He wrote so much, but he published so little of it, of it apparently. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Um, but is that, you know, in a way, think of him as a real artist. So just, you know, because he spent so many of, of his, uh, you know, so, so much of his life just writing for himself stuff that he didn't even want anyone to read, but he needed to get it out. Um, so do, do, right. you think, do you think you would still write music even if you knew nobody would ever listen? I mean, yes, I do. You know, I, I kind of have this funny uh, career where I do, you know, I do. After I did that kids record, I started like whatever tech companies started like licensing my songs for commercials and stuff like that. And then I started writing for like TV, like animated, like TV shows and for animated movies and things like that. So which I love doing, you know, and it's, it's a very different part of my brain, I think, you know, it's very much like putting a puzzle together and. Uh, but I, but I really love doing it. So I really, you know, I make a living. That's how I that's how I make a living. And when I do my albums, I, I do have a sort of weird luxury of like not I you know either I don't I make I really do make them for me you know or for for my the the not the for the small <laughs> fan base that I have uh, and I don't feel lots of pressure I, to like. You know, I don't like going on tour. I was on tour for for twenty years, you know, and and, and I'm I, I'm not interested in doing that really. And um, I mean, I, I of course want people to hear it, and I, I you know I do press and I do stuff like that. Um, but but I do think of them as you know just for my family or whatever, or for for my friends, or for like just just there. It's not. It's they feel somehow separate from my career, even though it's uh, while I'm doing them, they're the central focus of my career. It's just I don't know. It's a funny. It's a funny sort of back and forth I do. Hmm. I kind of want to hone in on what you were saying about um, not trying to be too poetic, or in your words, you said not smarter than you are. It's like, I wonder if that's why they were so immediate to me, like your lyrics and so evocative. Like you said in, in one of the songs, it was like you had a dream about being in a, in a touring band and you woke up and you were glad you weren't in that band anymore. And it was like, wow, that's really great. And it was rooted in simple language, but it was emotionally very impactful. And I wonder if the same way for painters, is it, can we get too clever or too 
into what what people might think or expectations and stuff that that just separate us in some way from what we what we're supposed to do like outsmart ourselves and get further away from who we are with all these sort of like clever right. offers and things do those things go through your head when you're painting yeah they will i i, I for me it's more like in designing an image i i i feel like i know what sells out there and right. i don't do that and that's kind of interesting to me to 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 not to say no in that way right, um, right. but on the same coin i wonder if i'm as honest as you are in what you're saying about like always questioning is while you're writing is that too poetic or something uh, it, I, it's more of a broad thing for me. Like, I'm like, well, if I started painting this thing, these galleries need more of these type of images. And I have a pretty good feel for what those are. And right, I right. won't do that. But at the same time, I wish, I don't know. I, I guess what I was struck by was your honesty and your like sort of sensitivity to that kind of thing, to know that isn't authentic to me. And I don't know if I'm doing that enough. So I was inspired by what you said. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really important to me. You know, I feel like I can only stick out and feel like I'm, you know, if it's the more me that it is. You know, I guess I've learned it through like doing uh, doing commercial stuff, you know, and do film stuff when I submit stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to stick out and get the gig unless I don't sound like the other people submitting, you know, if I sound just like myself. So I'll use my first vocal take, I'll use my crude lyrics and I'll use, uh, I'll do it just as authentically me as possible, just so it's, I'll stick out, you know, and, and, I, and I, and that does sort of carry through to, to the one I'm working on songs that are whatever, like the record, the bear, it's like, uh, it just, it, there's just a feeling that, that that feels right and to me it's it's very easy to tell it just makes it easier for me to edit otherwise it's like it's so abstract the idea of like what is this song like like I, I, it doesn't make sense to me unless unless I, if, if if it sounds like me then like i then it's i, I know it's right and it makes editing a lot easier hmm. and maybe maybe having that commercial um avenue or to for your work really frees you up on your personal work right like it's just sort of like you could do anything with that right like yeah it does yeah it's nice having it's it really is like i take a back and forth and it's also like you know because i i did make that kids record and i made another one that you know, i didn't it wasn't as mad it wasn't as great for me as the first one um but i you know i really love doing that stuff and i love writing with that in mind and writing for families you know i feel like it's such like a there's just like a, it's like a generous kind of vibe, you know, when, when, when you write that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I, and I really love doing it. I really am. I, what I'm working on now is, is more in that vein, you know, um, uh, tr I, I just have a, you know, just seeing like whatever really well-made animated movies that are so creative and funny and like thoughtful and, uh, and wonderful in every way. Like, I'm just like, I, I need to, I have a voice I, that I can, that works it's communicating to families and to kids. Like, and I need to, uh, I really want to make something that I, whatever, uh, that's, I feel like is really, really special if, in, in that, in that world. And so that's what I'm sort of obsessing about currently. 
Um, do you still do you still love it? Like at this point, you've been you've been making music basically your whole life, like as long as you've been conscious. Um, does it still have the same magic that it did? You know, like 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 back back when you back when you were playing playing gigs at you know like in ninth grade at the. Yeah, you know it does. It's like it's it's. Uh, I think I'm lucky in that I've never gotten like big enough or like successful enough that it's been like easy. Like I was saying before, you know, it's nice that it's always like when, when something good happens, when there's an accomplishment, it's like, it feels, it's like, feels great, you know? And then like, and then, then you're back to like working again. It's just like a struggle. And then, you know, and then I've also had different chapters with like the different bands and then it, to get, get the next band going, get like the Walkman going. It's like, this is hard as hell. There's no fucking way we're going to like do well. And then like, it does. Okay. And you're like, so it's, it's like magical and then you and then now that I do it on my own it's like yeah but I don't fucking stand a chance of succeeding doing this on my own because I can't sing and like I'm old and like whatever uh and then you know and then whatever it, it's somehow it, it's 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 working and I'm getting commercial work and it's just kind of it's just a it's it's nice it's a it's a it's a nice it's a nice spot for for I think for continuing to be able to make good good stuff or make whatever stuff I really believe in. And as far as the actual process of making the music, yeah, I, I'm always very, I get really, I get, yeah, I get very, very excited when I, when I, when I make something that sounds new and that I really love. I mean, there's no, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. There's no, no greater feeling. Um, so yeah, I, I crave that. You know, how, how, oh, go ahead, Dina. Sorry. There's just stereotypes that, you know, music is kind of a young people's game, right? That, you know, there's all the, there's all the musicians that died at 27 and there's all, uh, you know, like, like there's more of an emphasis on people becoming successful when they're very, very young. Although I guess the last, I know, bunch of years artists had that too, but I actually feel like most people don't really become a person even until they're like, I don't know. Like, like definitely older than 25. Um, I got it. I, I feel like I want to eat my words because there's going to be some 25 year old who's brilliant listening to this being like, oh, God, she's so, you know, <laughs> like, okay, right. boom, you're so over the hill. But, um, but, right. but I actually like, I find that the, the older you get, the more, you know, the more people have to say and the deeper their work goes. Yeah, I think I, I agree. And I really love people's later work. I mean, I think of like classical composers. It's always, it's always their later work that I love. And it's and, and, and with people who sing whatever folk music or, 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 you know, just acoustic music that's more sort of storytelling, personal music, it's, you know, it's a lot. Usually it's the later stuff that I that I that I really love the most. I think of like John Prine or something like that. You know, like I, I love his earlier stuff, but it's but it's 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 the it's those last whatever five records the, the that that i think for a lot of people that are, that are really just just so wonderful and sophisticated and beautiful uh, and like open-hearted i whatever you, you i'm sure you guys know those records they're just incredible uh and and you know like randy newman like his later stuff is yeah it's yeah i love people's uh when they when they continue to be when they go deeper as they get older and there's just so much more there uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing instead of going the commercial and cheesy route and just sucking <laughs> which a lot of people certainly do too <laughs> so why why is a stereotype like the um like like what why 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 do you think that's out there within music you mean 
Uh, yeah, specifically within music, like, you know, I feel like there's so much emphasis on prodigies and, you know, right. like, like just, it just in general on youth. I don't know. You know, I mean, I think, I mean, I, for me, I always think of like, it's rock, like rock and roll, you know, cause I, uh, you know, rock and roll is always like my, my thing. And, and yeah, I mean, I think there, I mean, some bands obviously keep going and can, and can do great stuff, but like, but rock and roll, I, I think is a, is a, is kind of a young person's thing. I mean, like, it, it when it gets too mature, it, like it it can be competent and can be and can be well crafted and convincing, but I don't know, confident and competent and well crafted and convincing are not necessarily like what make you love rock and roll, you know. So, I, I mean, the Stones like they they made some you know they they made some good stuff into the eighties that was like real rock and roll. I feel like, but you know, it's never gonna be the early stuff. Um, but, but I feel like when it's singer songwriter type people, it, 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 it works it, the, as they get older, it gets better, but rock and roll can, you know, there's not much, is there great rock and roll, older, older people doing rock and roll? Uh, boy, nothing. I mean, it's like, it's, it turns into nostalgia acts, right? Like, right. You think of like, like you two and like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you you go to you too, and you want to hear Joshua Tree and Octung Baby. You're, I I right. wouldn't have any idea what the last five U two albums sound like, you know. No. no. <laughs> but you're right; it does seem like the singer songwriters, like uh, like you said, John Prine, and um. Oh, it's funny you mentioned Michael Hurley too. Not many people listen to him, but it's like that. It does seem like that's the realm of adult feelings and adult emotions and rock and roll is for essentially 15 year olds, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still listen to rock and roll all the time, but like, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, there, there's this Russian word and um, I can't find the exact equivalent, but it basically means like, 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 so if I can translate it, it's, screaming until your vocal cords hurt something like that and i feel like right. young people might be better at doing that so when you say someone has something it's like someone's you know someone's really on the edge like their voice is really on the edge they've they've torn right. so much that they just can't go any further um right. it took me a paragraph to expl explain in english but in russian it's just one word <laughs> uh but but i but i wonder if you're like under 25 you might have more of that thing <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. You know, uh, yeah, there's a big value to that kind of energy in rock and roll. And people just, also when bands get successful, they get, you know, they get higher budgets and the studios, the recordings get better and it gets just, I don't know, so boring. And and they don't and they don't need to scream so much that their vocal cords are on, you know, right, right, exactly. make a point. That, that word, by the way, a lot of the people, a lot of the singers it gets applied to um have not not lived past 27 like like you say like oh, right right yeah exactly he had that word and he's also dead before you know like like under 30. right <laughs> it's, it seems like dina and i talk about these two things quite often there's like there's lifers you know who would be uh certainly a john prine's a lifer you know right and, and then there's just like tryhards like <laughs> they're they're chasing trends or whatever they're working really hard at that one thing but they're not necessarily lifers and i think that's such a nice division in that and don't you think like 
it's hard to stay interesting, but I think it's the lifers like Leonard Cohen and Lou Reed and stuff who manage that sort of no matter where they come from. And then there's right, right. just flash in the pan. They get, they make a few hundred thousand dollars in either their paintings or music. Just there was, there wasn't much behind it to begin with, you know, and then they, right. You know what, Leonard Cohen didn't didn't he? I, I think he didn't even start performing. He didn't even start singing until he was over forty. Like before that, he was writing books. Huh? Yeah, I think I think he was younger than that. But he did. But he, I, I think he was maybe when he was thir- in his thir- early thirties when when his, for his first record. But yeah, before that, he was just a poet for sure. And he, uh, yeah, he went to Nashville to. He, I guess he decided he wanted to be a country singer, and then he became what he became. He wrote this book called Beautiful Losers. It's one of just like the weirdest, most disturbing, um, you know, but but also incredibly beautiful things that I've ever read. Um, the, but um, I, I actually feel like his best album might have been the one that got published recently, like after after his death. Uh. Right. I know he, he, he continued to do such incredible stuff. Uh, and yeah, I know that book, actually. I, I have that book. I read that book. Beautiful. I haven't read it in a long time. But uh, but yeah, I love and his poetry books. Are, his poetry books are great too. Everything, everything he touches. So can I ask you a little bit about painting? Because the cover of the bear is one of Hollis's paintings. Right. How did? It's always so weird when our little community spills out to people that I wouldn't expect it to. Like, what what drew you to Hollis's painting? How did you find this? Like, how did how does this work? You know, I don't know. It's one of those weird things. It's like an Instagram thing. I found, I don't know how the timing was, but I I, I saw her pictures. I may, I don't I really don't know. And I just, and I saw her husband's pictures too, who I also love and think is just incredible. Um, and I then I heard heard them on on your podcast actually. The one we recorded on their porch. Yeah, that was wild. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I was just so intrigued and I loved her paintings. And then, yeah. And so I, I just I just wrote to her on a whim, just, you know, like I'm sure we what. Yeah, I just wanted it was curious if there was, if you would ever let somebody like me use one of your paintings for, for an album. And she was so nice. And she was like she, she said she had listened to my stuff. And that she felt like she knew me from listening to it and that I could use uh, that I could use whatever. And I was like, how, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. So we're sort of like pen pals now. I, I actually haven't met her. She was just biking up in upstate New York with friends uh, and was going to swing by. But she was whatever. Too, the, the time it didn't work out for I wasn't in town. Um, but uh, yeah, it's cool. You know, that's that's the, as much as I really hate social media. There, there is a wonderful thing that can happen like that, you know, with uh connecting with real people that way. I'm actually, I, what you're saying is like currently warming my heart because like for painters, you feel like you don't know, you don't know what the reception is or someone like Hollis who is so fantastic at what she does. And it's, it's abstraction. And so many times people are like, oh, my kid could do abstraction, you know? And it's like, it's so elevated and good and complicated and sophisticated that it's like, it makes me so happy that you pick up on that and picked her out of this 
you know, just massive sea of social media images. <laughs> like the good stuff hit you. And it's like, I don't know. I feel really encouraged by that. <laughs> yeah, it is an amazing, that's what just, it's an amazing thing looking at, I can't imagine painting an abstract painting and having the nerve to, like, I, it's just, it's such a strange language. And to, and to, then to be somebody who sees it and knows nothing about it and knows nothing about who made it, it's just a thing you see on your phone, you know, and to feel like moved by that in some way, it's just like, it's, 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 it's like, what the hell is that? It's, it's very, it's very, it's a really, it's a really magical and really bizarre thing, you know? And I was like, I, I love something about this. I just love, and it's, it's says something really wonderful to me and like, you know, so that's why, that's why, that's why I tracked her down. Mm, that's so great. I'm so excited to hear that. Yeah. There's something kind of mu musical, even about the way she paints. Like to me, they, they almost look like a cello sounds or something, you know, you could sort of feel that movement in them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much movement and yeah, like depth. I just, you know, I, I, when I did paint, I was, I, I you know, I, I was not very good. And just the, the, how, how that depth is created and how that, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't even know if it's depth, but whatever it is, it's what she does is magical. It's mm. great. Um, I actually still think about some of the, you know, some of the things she said, like um, her husband, Alex Konevsky, he told some amazing stories and she just had one phrase about like the light hitting the woods in a certain way. And now every time I'm in the forest, I think of that. So. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, um, so, so by the way, what's kind of, what's, what's in you, what does the future hold for you? What is in your near future? <laughs> well, I'm doing a film score right now, which I've never done before. I usually really, uh, you know, it's all, everything I do is so lyric, lyric driven. Um, so, uh, it's nice to do, well, it's a chat, it's hard. It's a challenge to do something that, that, that is not lyric driven, uh, and to try to be myself and to, do my thing without having my voice and words on top. Um, but I'm really enjoying that, you know, and when I record stuff for somebody else, I, I, I put a lot more effort into the recording and I actually spend time setting up microphones and like doing the stuff that professional people do. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying doing that. Uh, and then, yeah, then I'm, I'm also working on uh, just this long, like a, the, the, like a family. I, I don't know what it is. It's going to be either like a, like a musical or a, a show or some sort of, it's like a character, a character based, like, uh, like, I don't know, story that, that will be very, have a lot of songs. And so anyway, I've been working on that for a while and, 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 uh, and I'm, I'm really thrilled about it. Uh, I just need to, need to get it done. And, uh, that, but the, yeah, that's that's what's really uh, ex exciting me so much is is is, is that project. That's a little, I'm not explaining it very well. When you when you do a score, do you watch the film first and then? Yeah, yeah. They're sort of it, it, they're sort of editing uh, now, so I'm getting different cuts of it uh, every day, uh, or every few days. Um, yeah, so that it's really it's cool, you know. I mean, I've done commercial stuff where I'm writing to picture before, but doing. Uh, yeah, doing film is—it's uh, a different thing, you know. And it really is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's fun. It's a—it's a great challenge. It's just like a different part of my brain. Hmm. Um, so, uh, Marshall, you go ahead. Well, I was wondering—you know—you were a, a kid on the Lower East Side with 
you know, in the in the the drug block of the world or whatever, and dropping out of school and living living a pretty rock and roll existence. And now you're a father. And how how is that different? Like creating art, how do you find time to do it now? Is that what are the the new challenges you're presented with? I mean, I, I do, I, you know, the, my girl, my girls are eight and nine. So they're, they're, at, you know, they, they, they're at school from 830. They get picked up and they get come home at, you know, four, four fifteen or so. So I have a long, I have a lot of, you know, and I don't go on tour, you know, I mean, I do a couple of things here and there, but, but part of my, my master plan is to not go on tour. Um, so I, I have a lot of time to work, you know, I really do have a lot. I, I mean, I've made, I, 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 I do, I make a lot of music, uh, and I, I really have a lot of time, uh, to work on it. So it's, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice period I'm in right now. Um, and it's, a, it's actually hard to imagine how, how the hell we got, we made music back then, how we found the time to all of us get to, and we did, that's all we were doing, but it's just like, being a young person in New York City, like uh, that, we actually sat down and focused and went to band practice and like worked on songs on our own and then worked. It's kind of an amazing thing that we did that. I don't, <laughs> you know, it's a city full of distractions for sure. Yes, for definitely. So, because one of the advantages of being young is that you don't actually need very much sleep or like good food or exercise or any of the things that you start, you know, needing and appreciating. It's true. That's true. I don't think I ate vegetables uh, or a salad for my entire twenties, probably. <laughs> or or drank water. I'm always or drank water. Water I drink now. And I never thought of. I know. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, actually, if I could have done one thing differently in my twenties, like I never slept. Like I never ever ever slept. And 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 in retrospect, why didn't I? Why did I need to stay up? like you know till five in the morning and finish that painting it was completely unnecessary I could have done it the next day <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there's the draw of yeah the nighttime is just a lot more it's it's a it's, it's a it's a wilder place when you're young i have kids too and you know being being up at three in the morning stopped seeming attractive like the day i brought the first one home <laughs> yes exactly i know yeah being about at, at, at you know nine thirty is what i aim for now <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I ask you something a little off a little off topic but just it was yeah. striking me something I've been thinking about just in music in general like who whose lyrics do you think are I don't know a little more a better such a clumsy word but whose lyrics do you like better uh Bob Dylan's or John Prine's well that's a <laughs> I like that question um I mean, you know, it's funny. Like with Bob Dylan, I think of it in so, in different chapters, kind of. You know, I think of that early stuff, like whatever the pre motorcycle accident stuff, is such a different, such a different guy than you know. It's hard to even put the two together. Then, like you know, Nashville skyline, uh, even John Wesley Harding, and then all the stuff he continues to do, and like the I even love his new stuff, his last record that that. Uh, Whatever, murder most foul song. Did you hear that song? Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, that came out right, right at the right at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember listening to that when I was running, and I was like, "Fucking hell, he's still just putting everybody to shame," because uh, it was just so good, and it was funny, and it was just like, it was. Oh my god, blew me away. Um, 
But yeah, as far but uh, you know, John Prine is so much more personal. You know, I think like if if you're like I probably listened to Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan just has so much more stuff, obviously too. Um, but like it really depends. I, it's hard to say one's better than the other. But you know, I mean, John Prine is just like you just feel like he's like a friend when you're listening to it. You know, it's just like it's so warm and fuzzy and personal. It's just like it's 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 irresistible you know bob dylan is such a craftsman but you don't get that feeling of like that the, the feeling of warmth and that that feeling of like really interfacing with a human in the same way you know i mean i think he's he does that sometimes but i think that's just he's his craft you know like whatever mama you've been on my mind stuff like that and his love songs but like i feel the, the personal touch much more with with john prime Oh man, I couldn't agree more. I think I think John Prine will make me cry when I listen to him sometimes. Sure. And and Dylan doesn't, even though I think he's such a craftsman. And I wonder if it's a little bit of what we were talking about earlier. Like, there's always a bit of a distance between Dylan. Like, you don't know if he's saying right. that or if he cares or if he's kind of making fun of you a little bit. You don't really. And John Prine's just like a raw nerve, and it's like, oh my exactly. god. Exactly. Right. Even some of his stuff is. When it gets a little, a little sappy, it's it just hits me right to the core. <laughs> right, I totally agree. You know, I, I, it seems like it took him a while to get there, though. You know, I feel like his earlier stuff, he was a little distracted with, I, I don't know what, being trying trying to shape his career or, or trying to do what the manager wanted, or maybe he wanted to have a he wanted to be a pop more popular. I, who knows? But it really. F- Maybe, you know, there, there always is real John Prine stuff on all this stuff, but I feel like he really just like snapped into being himself real late. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right, uh, Marshall. Dylan never makes me cry, but also Mike, somehow I don't process Bob Dylan after Blood on the Tracks. I basically like everything before Blood on the Tracks and I haven't really liked my, my, much afterwards. <laughs> Right, there's some there's some strange stuff in there. I think he's just d- determined to uh, piss off the people who liked the 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 album before, and then if they like the next one. Then he goes, "I'm going to piss off the people who like that that album." Uh, no, no, he is a lifer though. Like, but like I agree, Marshall. There is more distance, and I never know when he means it, and when he's just sort of like verbally meandering in a really pleasing, abstract way. Um, right he's a lifer he just keeps going and kind of you're like trying to reinvent himself pissing off the people that like the 10 previous albums and making sure none of them like the next one at the right but i mean his whole like quest his whole like you know always searching for the whatever getting close you know even like his, the, the uh like the uh born again period you know there's like yeah, I have a hard time listening to that to to that music, and I don't really respond that much to it. But like, the idea of it is great. I, it's hard to. I always wonder if he actually was 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 feeling spiritual in that way, and really writing, you know, from from the heart about feeling that that sort of re- religious thing. But like, to me, it just I I always kind of guess that maybe it was just a, an exercise in songwriting, and and also. And, 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 you know, turning, turning off all, all the, you know, just trying, just doing something different, almost like going electric again, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like got to serve somebody and stuff like those are, those are classics, but they don't feel, they don't feel like going to church, you know, no, not religious, all. but it's like, I don't know where they fit. 
I have, I have also maybe a little bit an off-subject question, but how do you feel about rhyming? Uh, um, because I, I, I keep, I, I come from a culture where poetry is meant to rhyme, and if it doesn't rhyme, it's not really poetry. And right. In America, I used to get into sort of these, you know, like like arguments with people all the time who were really like like American literary people seem to be really anti-rhyme. So. Right. I mean, I love rhyming because. I mean, just I, I'm a I'm a very rhythmic person. I, you know, I like uh, rhythm is very important to me. And I feel like that's one of my strengths as far as just like the, the the type of music that I've that comes out of me. Like I uh, and and in rhyming, like I, I'm hooked on rhyming. And rhyming is also a wonderful thing for for me that just to use because you can because it add you know it. It, just as far as like, if you want to make, say something serious, have a serious song that's about something that's really important to you and you're, you're like pouring your heart out or whatever. Um, if you have a rhyme in there, it, it sort of takes the edge, you know, it, it, it adds a lightness. It adds like a humor to it. Uh, and if you, it's the same as adding whatever, just like a boogie beat or something or, or like a, a tambourine. There's just like, it's just, it's a really nice little device to keep it light and to say, to, to say, hey, we're like, we're all friends here. And like, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it, it allows me to say, to say maybe sometimes more emotional things than I would if I wasn't rhyming, if you're just saying it. It's just, it's a very handy sort of counterbalance for me. Because uh, it feels funny, you know, if you can be saying something really serious and you get like a funny, dumb sounding rhyme in there, you're just like, okay, good. That's perfect. Huh. Like a little juxtaposition, like a little, a little something to, to, to soften it a bit. That's yeah. I have yeah. thought that that's so, that's so smart. That's so insightful. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I think of it when I'm doing it, but I think that I, but I, but listening to myself, like that I've done, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely, I, it's just like a good rhyme that really nails it on the rhythm. It's just like, it just has a great humorous sort of generous quality to it that, that I, I definitely love to just drill that that rhyme it's just so satisfying <laughs> i want to I, I, uh, another question kind of about parallels between music and painting we recently had betty cunningham on the podcast she's a gallerist who's fantastic like a great interview with her and she has taste like nobody else she has a a gallery now in the lower east side and it's like wondering about how she's spent so many years with such a good eye, you know? Right. And, and she actually answered the question in a way that was satisfying. Cause that's such a clumsy question to ask someone. And she was like, she looks for people who discover what they're doing on the canvas each, each time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, what an intangible, crazy thing to, to be keyed into. But Looking at who she selects, it's like she really does do that. Do you in in music? Are you figuring it out in the studio? Like I imagine you at a desk writing down lyrics, right? And then mm -hmm. it, whether there's a song first or a melody first, and then the lyrics, I, I wouldn't know. But and then it's taking that sheet to the studio and playing it. How much room and in, in discovery is in there for a musician? I mean, you know, it's different every time, you know, like I, I feel like for me, a lot of my a lot of the the most important part of, of my, what I do and making up a song is really just the, the initial sort of the concept behind the song. You know, it'll be like, uh, um, you know, a, a, 
like a, a, a title or something and like a, a, an angle on uh, a way of saying something that I that I really want to say. And it's like, OK, there's my foot in the door for how I can say that. And like, there's my title and I can I can bring it into this place that I've been wanting to say. And like, oh, my God, that that's the idea. And those ideas come like when I'm whatever, mowing the lawn or when I'm running or when I'm driving, you know. I don't know if that works that way for painters where you think like when you you think of uh, concepts while you're doing other things. But it's definitely, you know, it's a just when your mind is wandering, it, it allows you or your mind is relaxed or concentrating on something else. I, I definitely think of my best ideas then. And then like but then. So, yeah, there, it's not like magic. Like when I'm actually writing, I try to just once I have that idea, Usually I get very excited if it's a good one, you know, and I, and, and if it's not, I, I, I usually throw it away. But if, so I'll, I'll try to write just really fast, you know, and I'll, I'll allow for everything possibly to come in. I'll write like whatever, many, many verses and have extra verses and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there is there is a, a lot that and then and then then the editing is like, you know, there a lot changes then, too. So it really is. There's, there's all at every step. I think there's room for for little magical things to happen, and for discovery, and for figuring out where the song's gonna go. You know, and also at every step, there's a, definitely an opportunity for for you to take the wrong step and to ruin what could be good. And uh, you know, I, I I assume it's the same when you're painting. You know, like I I don't know, but I remember when I would paint, like like I would have something I really loved, and then the next step, I would somehow just ruin it and, and and you know or somehow i'd be like holy shit this is suddenly amazing and i mean i don't think that have ever happened to me in, in painting but like i I'm, I that's what i wanted to happen <laughs> <laughs> that's so great um who 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 are your biggest like i guess this is a two-part question so a few of your your most influential acts in in music um, and then how important are influences and what you do in the studio? Yeah, I mean, my big ones are probably are pretty predictable. You know, I mean, I really it's I think I, I'm like a record collector. So I have a million records and I've been listening to music, whatever, for my, ever since I was a kid. Um, so but I think that as far as what directly relates to what I do, like I mentioned before, I always think of well, people always say to me. So I always but I do think it's right. Uh, it's like Randy Newman and, and Jonathan Richmond, Michael Hurley, and then, you know, Leonard Cohen, but like, I don't, I don't write like him at all. And, and like Bob Dylan, of course, I mean, sometimes I'll hear something and it'll remind me of that, but more like, not, not little content at all, just more like maybe, uh, I don't know, certain little de doodads I, 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 I hear. Um, but yeah, those are my my big ones probably. And then I do, you know, I listen to a lot of new music. Like I really love uh, uh, what's her name, Adrian Lenker. You know, Big Thief. I really think is fantastic. Oh, she's really really fantastic. I think. Yeah, Big Thief. Is, big Thief is the band, but her name is uh, Adrian. Uh, I think it's Adrian or Adrian uh, Adriana Lenker, and she makes solo records too. She writes all the Big Thief stuff. She's really, really, really special. I mean, I really think that what she does is fantastic. Um, but it's nothing like what I do, you know, like it's, 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 but, you know, I think I more just get inspired and get excited by the greatness of something. I'm like, man, I want to make something great like that, you know, I, but I, 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 it's rare that I hear something that I'm like, oh man, I want to do 
a song like whatever, like uh, like like if I hear like like I want to do a song like that, and I'm gonna see if I can hide their ideas and, and put my ideas in there. I mean, I've done that before. We did that a lot in Walkman and, and in other bands and different projects where you can sort of, but like I I don't do I don't really do that anymore, um, and um, and I yeah. That uh, I, I it's funny you mentioned Jonathan Richmond because that I Jonathan album is so I love it and I I notice a similar playfulness in what you do and then in that album as well just kind of a a bit of a light touch on some things you know yeah I hope so yeah I mean I I do see parallels between what I do and what he does I mean like I'm not not that I compare myself to him but yeah I certainly love what he does you know and I feel like you're getting you're really getting a heavy dose of Jonathan when you listen to a, a Jonathan album. Um, and yeah, yeah, I used to go see him play all the time uh, in, in New York. Uh, and he's always just so funny and just so, you know, talking the whole concert, interrupting himself in the middle of a song and just like, it's just, it's the greatest. I always love the stories of him just following the Velvet Underground around as this weird little kid, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. great. exactly. <laughs> And yeah, <laughs> and he stuck to his guns. He was pretty much he was himself, you know, even in that culture, even in the modern lovers, even in that nasty rock and roll. He's talking about like going home and uh, eating health food at home alone or whatever, you know. And the, and the bureaucracy of the government center always cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, I know. It took me a while. Like I remember first hearing that stuff when I was like in my twenties. Like this is totally badass. And then eventually, you more listening more to the lyrics, and you're like. Hold on, this guy's talking about a lot of really funny, funny stuff. So do you, uh, so a lot of, I mean, we've looked at demographics of this podcast, quite a, quite a lot are in New York City painters listening to the show. Do you have any advice for young artists uh, navigating the city and staying true to their craft and all the pulls this way and that and distractions except for staying away from that corner of clinton and you know the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes uh you know i don't know like it's hard i can't imagine like if my kids went in and started doing music and wanted to be in a rock band and moved to new york city i would be like i'd be terrified you know it's uh, i don't really the business is so different now i i you know it's it's, just, it's i actually have a, a nephew who's who's thinking about doing music uh, and he's asked, you know, he'll ask for advice. I'm like, I don't, you know, just like do like do your thing, like do be do the stuff that sounds most like you and that doesn't sound like other people and that really excites you. And if it stops exciting you, then maybe don't do it. But um, but, you know, I, it's that it's that that, you know, ba that kind of basic advice is what I, I think is what I what I believe, you know, and uh, what I try to to follow, you know. Mm, yeah, that's a, we got to like. Like we got a voicemail recently about like you we we would like you to ask more artists about how to make it and it's just kind of uh -huh. like i don't know how to, no one really has <laughs> nobody no <laughs> you know I, yeah i think of all my musician friends like everybody has found a funny little pocket where they're the where they can survive you know and i found this weird thing where i do commercial stuff i did some kids stuff and i make my albums and like whatever I play on other people's albums sometimes, but it's not. And like, I do like a film score now. It's just like, it's not like, that's not something you can do like a box you can check. And that's like the career that you're going to do. It's just like, 
it's it's yeah a lot of it is just being flexible and scrambling and uh yeah but certainly you're having to work your butt off the whole time you know making it also means something different for you know for, for, for everyone right like there's some people who like i feel like if i can you know pay my bills i'm making it like i'm making it i made it exactly That's me too me too entirely um but then, then i feel like like i i feel like i know people for whom that wouldn't be nearly enough that um like like not even close to being enough and who are kind of hungry for the next thing and the one after that and at some point right. I, I think i'm just i'm just not that hungry like i'm kind of happy with you know most things uh, um right. as if i don't have to do that much stuff that i really hate doing and uh, Right. That, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. That's like how I, I feel like it is a blessing that we never, that none of the bands ever got like, whatever, huge or that big. It's just like, because then that you've like tasted blood and like, maybe you like want that. I don't think I ever would have wanted more of that if we, that had happened, but I don't know. You know, I can, I'm, I'm sure it can mess with your brain, but luckily uh, I didn't get my brain messed with that much. Yeah. And time to do what you love. I mean, I think, all three of us here have a lot of time to do the thing we love. And that is yeah. so amazing, man. It really is. I mean, it's just, it's so wonderful, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. So I'm definitely appreciative of that right now. Me and Marshall were talking a little while ago and I can't remember what I was complaining about. I feel like I complained quite a bit about just day to day, you know, mostly about filling out paperwork online, which I can't seem to figure out how to do, but, um, um, but, but it's something you said to me where I was like, you know, this thing that really makes me happy is just that first like cup of coffee and like setting up my palette and like the first, you know, bit of painting in the morning. And you said that like, basically everything that, or most things that make money, bring you success, et cetera, just take you further away from like the coffee and the painting. <laughs> mm. Yeah, totally. I, I, I agree completely. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that feeling is that that's the greatest, you know, or like the feeling of for me, I always think of like when I make my first little voice memo on the phone of the, the lyric idea that I'm thrilled about with the little guitar thing, usually that, that makes the makes it come alive in a way. And you listen to that and you're like, fucking hell. This is the great. This is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm I, in, in love with this. You know, it's it's a really incredible thing, and I I don't know why I, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have a brain that that allows myself to think that about things that I write. But I, I it's so important to get be so be excited by our own stuff. You know, otherwise it would be, uh, pretty pretty tough. <laughs> mm. So where can people find you? I mean, not literally. You don't want people showing up. And up. <laughs> Give us your home address. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, like where can people find your next project, your next your next gig, or whatever next thing that you're doing or current thing? Well, doing. just like on my website, you know, it's just Walter Martin Music. And uh, or like I, 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 I'm really bad at social media, but I do update stuff on my Instagram, which is just, I think it's just Walter Martin Music. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the next thing I'm, I'm going to do a tour in Europe actually in, in the fall. Um, and I just played in New York city for the first time in a long time when like not long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, it was wonderful. Uh, but I don't, I really don't do that often. It's a lot, it's, it's hard. It's a lot of, it's so much stress and like planning. And even though it's just like me up there with like a guitar, um, 
and I played in LA recently. I'm, I'm proud to say I flew across the country and played. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I have I'm I'm gonna put out a couple of songs in probably in the fall, and then then. It, but the, what, what I'm working on now is gonna take a long time. It's gonna take me a year. Mm. So, or guess, more. Thank you so much for talking to us. This is you know an absolute delight. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys having a, a musician on. It's like uh, usually nobody wants musicians around. And uh, thank you for like years of great music. Like I, in, well, thank you. In terms of, <laughs> well, look, it's like in terms of uh, the grind, like you stuck to your guns when a lot of musicians of your era took took a little more of a payout for less interesting music. And I really appreciate it. So, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate your guys' podcast. It really is wonderful. You know, I, w I wish that there was one for musicians like I it's just it's, it's so nice to listen to people talk about you know their craft and why they do what they do and how they do it and I like when you guys get into like the nitty-gritty of the of the paints even though I usually don't know exactly what you're talking about but I uh but you get such interesting people on and it, everybody's so thoughtful it's 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 really it's really a, just it's uh I do feel a lot of Whatever I, f I feel, I learn a lot from it from here, or I feel encouraged that like maybe I'm doing something in the same way that some of these people who who, who sound really great are, are are doing it, or believe the same kinds of things. So it's it's really nice. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, thank and you so much. And uh, yeah, I'll continue to listen. This was a pleasure, and uh, yeah, next time I, I guess I'll see it on Instagram. You're playing in the city. I'll definitely come see you. So. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for listening, and I hope you got some good painting done while we entertained you with our amazing guest. If you like what you're hearing, follow and subscribe to our podcast if you haven't done so yet. And if you're so inclined, rate us whether you love or hate us. We love hearing all the different opinions and appreciate the feedback. You can reach out to us at artgrindpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on IG at artgrindpodcast. You faithful listeners have the power to help us grow. So please spread the word. It's free and you'll feel good about it. So until next time, stay on the grind while we fill your mind.